This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Cian Wang, CFO of FastSpring in Santa Barbara, California. You are listening to the CFO Thought Leaders podcast with Jack Sweeney. This is episode 477. It's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Ching Jaw, CFO of Cytokinetics, a company advancing muscle biology-driven treatments for a variety of diseases. Besides learning about this innovative firm's offerings, you'll hear how a serendipitous meeting with the CFO of Genentech opened the door allowing a Honeywell finance manager to enter the world of biotech. Our discussion begins after these words from our sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to Ching Jong, CFO of Cytokinetics, a company advancing muscle biology-driven treatments for diseases that are characterized by failing muscle functionality, muscle weakness, and fatigue. Ching, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so it's great to have you with us. As always, we like to ask our guests to look back for us. Looking back now, what were those experiences you believe prepared you for a finance leadership role? What comes to mind? Um, I would say the, the first thing that came to mind um, is a milestone that I believe charted the path of my career. And that was making a decision to leave engineering for 
my view of it as an engineer, um, I decided that I would like to uh, make a broader impact to the business than a narrower and more technical engineering career was likely to offer me. So I chose finance to leverage my aptitude in math and economics. After consulting with a few mentors, I determined that um, I'd like to pursue a broad experience base in finance uh, because it was going to be the most fulfilling to me. Uh, therefore, I put together a roadmap of the types of roles and experiences I like to have in my career. And throughout my life, I methodically pursued those opportunities. How, how old were you when you created that list for the first time? Uh, I was in my mid-20s, or sorry, maybe late-20s. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Okay. And then um, I, I would say the second most important milestone in my career that helped me prepare to become a finance leader was uh, leaving the comfort zone of a company by the name of Genentech, which is a very well-known large biotech company. And that was a company I worked at for nine years and considered to be uh, my family. Um, I left them to pursue a career in uh, commercial affiliates within a multinational pharmaceutical company by the name of Roche. This journey um, involved potentially moving into a new affiliate in a new country every two to four years and adapting and adjusting to new businesses, people, and culture on an almost un ongoing, continuous basis. I decided to embark on this journey primarily to gain experience in product commercialization and sales and marketing, which is consistent with the owning my career experience approach that I took throughout my life. The journey uh, ended up offering me much more than I expected. Um, I, I think it did sharpen my skill of learning new businesses and gave me exposure to different approaches to commercialization and different regulatory environments. I, I believe that the totality of my experience at Genentech and Roche landed me a job with a company named Sanofi, which is a French pharmaceutical company, a large one, um, as their regional CFO in North America. This is a position with the type of scope and responsibility that exceeded any uh, prior roles I had in my career. So, after being at Sanofi for about three years, I decided again to leave and join my current company, Cytokinetics, uh, because this role represented um, my first experience as a CFO of a publicly traded company. Um, many key aspects of my current job at Cytokinetics, um, such as investor relations, SEC reporting, and capital raises are things I've supported in the past. Now I'm far more involved, and I'm in a broader strategic leadership role within the company. I think going from a, a very large organization like Sanofi to a small company like Cytokinetics was also a challenge, um, but I'm loving the experience so far. I feel that my input and decision here could be, um, excuse me, could have an immediate profound impact to the company. Uh, something that is more difficult to achieve in a larger organization. So I think those are um, probably my journey uh, to where I am so far in my career. Now, I just want to point out, you, you've, uh, next year you'll be 20 years inside uh, the biotech realm or life sciences realm. 
And I point that out because uh, we've come upon CFOs before that began as engineers. What's a little unusual is that you enter the biotech realm, whereas uh, I think many of our past guests who were previously engineers stayed in manufacturing, mm-hmm. which, um, if I'm not wrong, that's actually where you began. And um, and, and uh, can I mention that Caterpillar and Honeywell, these were you yeah. know, large manufacturers where, you know, you first uh, got your footing in, in the business world, I would think. That, that is correct. Um, I actually worked at Caterpillar as an engineer, and that, that was the engineering part of my career. Um, Honeywell was the first, was the first company um, um, that you pointed out, also a manufacturing company, but that was my first finance job. So I didn't jump into finance immediately to um, biotech, but um, I went to manufacturing first. The, um, from Honeywell to Genentech, is an interesting reinvention of ways. You're changing industries, I guess. Now you're not you're not a, you're not a, a senior finance leader at that point in time. So perhaps it's easier to do at a lower level. But can you tell us a little bit about your decision there? It seems to me, obviously, there are opportunities still for you in the manufacturing realm um, beyond Honeywell, if you wanted to. But no, you, you went to Genentech. Right. Um, I think there was a little bit of uh, serendipity there. Um, I was attending a um, – so my job at Honeywell at the time, I worked in their uh, mergers and acquisitions group, which is part of was part of finance. Um, I went to a conference in New York where I met um, the CFO of Genentech at the time, Lou Levine, and uh, we really got along really well with each other. We had um, a dinner together, and uh, he uh, uh, mentioned that he was trying to build a uh, M&A department uh, at his company. Uh, at the time, I had never heard of Genentech, and, but um, I basically took a leap of faith in joining him. and turned out to be probably one of the best decisions in my life. <laughs> wow. That, that has to be a dream encounter for a, an aspiring finance leader. So rare, I think, um, you must have realized that uh, uh, an opportunity presented itself by way of a networking event, really. Right. That's correct. <laughs> it's seldom, the, 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 uh, the stars don't always align quite like that. That was serendipitous. Okay. Uh, you know, you've been at CFO, though, now. Uh, you've had several tours of duty, as you shared with us. And cytokinetics... Tell us what exactly, and, and you, you touched on this, but really, what was the opportunity? What led you to say, you know what, this is an opportunity I don't want to pass up. What was it exactly? What brought you there? Um, what brought me here was um, when, I, when I choose um, the company I work for, I um, emphasize on the people I meet with in that company. And I assess for myself whether these are the people that um, you believe um, you could work with, first of all, uh, but also um, do they seem to really uh, understand their mission and do they carry out that mission. And with Cytokinetics, I have a strong feeling uh, just after interviewing with a few people at the time 
that this was a company with a very strong uh, scientific foundation, a strong culture, and a belief in their mission that um, despite uh, 20 years of hard work and sweat and tears, uh, they continue on and, and uh, never waver from that mission. So that attracted me to Falcon X. Well, that's interesting. I think uh, just for those finance leaders who have done this before, this is such a big decision at times. And like you just described, you've got a sense of the culture. You, you, uh, I, I imagine you were asking questions, listening closely to the answers, similarly having people ask you questions. And that does give you some sense of, of the culture around you. Um, at the same time, I've asked this question before. Did you talk to the auditors? Did you talk to others uh, in uh, Cytokinetics sort of ecosystem before accepting the position? I, I did. Um, I, I happen to know uh, one of the founders of Cytokinetics um, who um, left Cytokinetics and joined Genentech, and he and I actually worked together at Genentech. So I did uh, have an opportunity. And first of all, given that, uh, that person founded the company that tells me something about the company itself. So I have some confidence coming in, but also um, um, having some conversation with him uh, helped me with the decision as well. Wow. Okay. Now, t tell us about uh, Cytokinetics and, and the offerings here. And it's interesting. We haven't uh, spoken to a company quite like this one where it's specializing in these muscle uh related ailments to diseases. What, explain it to us. What, why is this such a big opportunity? Cytokinetics is a biopharmaceutical company that focuses on developing novel drugs, candidates. Um, we try to address disease areas uh, ranging from heart failure and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy to spinal muscular atrophy and ALS. So it's a pretty broad type pipeline, all of which are based on our underlying core competencies in pioneering the biology of muscle contractility. I think we have a competitive advantage, uh, and that is our deep understanding of, uh, of the muscle biology. Uh, and this came from years of basic research and clinical development work in this area. Um, we, we firmly believe that our drug candidates um, could either be first-in-class or best-in-class therapies. Uh, and they're so innovative, they have potential to transform how many of these diseases are treated today. So um, we think about, uh, think of ourselves as pioneer, pioneers in the muscle biology area, and we will not settle for anything but the best outcome for patients and doctors. When you arrive there, can you tell us a little bit about your priorities as it relates to the finance team? Did you have the team members you required? Were you there to reorganize? Did you? What was your first steps to get uh, the team uh, that you desired? Right. So the first step, obviously, is to assess the existing team. Um, so I. I I think I was quite fortunate to have a fairly strong finance team in Cytokinetics, so I didn't have to do a lot of reorganizing. Um, I did 
uh, bringing in a couple guys who uh, used to work with me at Genentech, which uh, helped to strengthen the team. What I did do was to introduce a blueprint for the financial organization for, to scale up both domestically and internationally, which um, reflected our expectations at that time that the business would um, soon expand domestically and internationally. Unfortunately, that expansion plan did not materialize as quickly as expected, but the blueprint remains, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to put it to use soon. So in addition to finance, I also have functional responsibility for IT, and that was a, a completely different story. Shortly after I joined the company, uh, the head of IT came to me with a proposal to completely revamp the IT organization including to outsource a significant portion of the IT function. Um, it was a very bold and I consider courageous proposal, given that he himself was also fairly new at the time, and the old IT leadership was ingrained into the organization and culture. So he was proposing something that's against the grain, so to speak. However, um, we, saw, we both saw that a new approach would provide enhanced IT security, service, and flexibility uh, to the business. So I gave him uh, my full support, and together we convinced the business to make the change and executed a smooth transition, which I would say significantly stabilized and upgraded our IT support model here. Again, you were both relative newcomers, so I, something of that scale in, in terms of the change that was required did you have to hire outside consultants to help you? I, I mean, it, it, that, that just seems like a, a major change. And, and granted, the company's not, you know, a large enterprise, but still. Yes, it, it definitely was a major change. We did hire a, an IT consultant um, expert in evaluating IT organizations and its efficiency and effectiveness. He came in. Uh, together with the, um, our head of IT here, they um, drafted a proposal, which we ended up presenting to the CEO here and, and gain his approval to move forward. When, how long had you been there when that was got the green light? What, how long had you been there? I, I think it was my first month <laughs> uh, when he took, uh, he took the proposal to me. And, and in, uh, I think on my fourth month, we executed the plan. Wow. Okay, you weren't, you weren't wasting any time, and, and you certainly sent a signal to uh, to the organization, I suppose. Can, can you give us a better sense of the stage of uh, maturity this company currently is in terms of its stage of funding, or where are, have you raised money yourself for the company? How does it, where are you? So, um, as you know, we're not a large company, but for a small biotech company, we are fairly strong from the financial standpoint. We have ample cash on our balance sheet to sustain the operation for more than 24 months, which uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but for a small company, this is a pretty healthy cash runway. Uh, we are always looking ways to um, capitalize the company and fund the company further because I firmly believe that the best time to raise money is when you don't need to. Um, once the world knows that you need money, uh, suddenly the terms become much worse. So we're always looking for opportunities to raise capital, both from the non-dilutive capital, but also dilutive capital as well. 
I have to imagine that with your close involvement with IT, is there uh, some set of metrics that you're watching closely that reveal how some of what they're working on is advancing, or is it is it something else? Yeah, so um, I gather that your question is specific to IT, but um, I, I think I look at um, the metrics um, for IT similarly to um, how I look at the metrics for R&D. So at IT, we um, often start um, IT projects, and, and the questions I would ask is, um, are we able to start those projects on time? Are we able to do those projects on budget? Um, are we able to uh, wrap up a project uh, when we are supposed to do so and uh, roll the new tools out to the company? Um, what are the user experiences with the products and tools that we roll out? Are they satisfied? Does that improve their work productivity and efficiency? Uh, those are the questions we ask on a, a, on a constant basis. Um, once every quarter, we do an IT user um, survey, uh, and, and we ask the users within the company uh, these sort of questions to help us um, better ourselves and, and get their feedback and, and have a direction of where we want to improve going forward. We like to ask for what we refer to as a finance strategic moment. And, uh, again, this could be any time during the course of your career when uh, your lines of sight into the organization allowed you to see a risk or an opportunity. When I ask for a finance strategic moment, does anything come to mind? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably give you an example. Um, um, early in my career, I was uh, the finance person for a very large and very successful R&D organization. That organization has a very large clinical pipeline. Um, during, I was in charge of budgeting process, and during one of the budget cycles, um, we have an R&D committee. That committee was stressed about not having enough budget to fund all the programs which they consider critical for patients suffering from disease we were trying to address. And the prospect of having to trade up one program for another for budget constraint reasons was very upsetting for all of them. And I was tasked to come up with a solution. So what I did there was um, I combed through the company's history of R&D spending and came to the conclusion that um, we had not been able to spend more than 90% of the allocated R&D budget for the previous seven years leading up to that point. Due to a variety of reasons, for example, um, we might have a uh, we might have late starts to trial. We might have uh, patient enrollment delays. We might have drug supply issues or delayed FDA interactions. So based on that data, I, pro I proposed that we over-allocate the budget by 10% to enable funding of all those critical programs. And we plan for a 10% wide of the budget underrun. Um, but what we also put together processes whereby we manage it carefully during the year to ensure that we can tr trigger course correction if it looks like uh, the budget is going to uh, go astray. So I was confident based on the historical data that this approach could work, and it did. Um, so 
after that year, this technique became a standard budgeting technique. Um, and, and by the way, when I said 10%, uh, the budget at the time was $3 billion, so 10% represents a $300 million additional op opportunity for the business to invest. We enter the mentoring round with CFO Ching Jaw after these words. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We're now going to uh, jump to what we refer to as our mentoring round, where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor future finance leaders. So we want to know what's exciting you today about finance and business. You've done this drill a number of times. You've been a CFO ever since you left Genentech. Uh, but what's exciting you now about finance and business? I think um, I'll speak for um, our industry specifically, and then maybe um, that could apply to the world um, broadly. Um, when you look at biopharmaceutical industry, I think we're in a period where the paradigm of drug development is starting to shift from um, one uh, that was a traditional approach whereby you go through um, very rigorous and, and uh, strict regulatory uh, milestones, and, and you run through the phase one, two, three trials, and get the FDA approval, and then um, and then you launch the product into the marketplace. That that process usually takes um, about ten years if you're lucky. So it's a very long time process. Um, with the advent of uh, information technology and data, and data, I think that paradigm is starting to shift. Um, I, I believe finance is uniquely positioned during times of transition uh, because of our uh, intimacy with the business. If you look at all the quote-unquote support functions, I believe finance is one of those functions um, who is tied to the business most intimately, and as such, we're most qualified to be involved in strategic issues uh, within the business. For example, I believe finance is uniquely positioned to, to lead the strategic planning process for any business. Um, because in a time of change, what you want to make sure you do well as, as a company is scenario planning. You need to anticipate the unexpected. And I think finance is in the best position to lead that effort. So I'm, I'm very excited for finance for those reasons. Okay. Now, the first time, and I, I always like to ask this question, what do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? 
And I, I imagine that would have been the company right after Genentech that you stepped into that CFO role for the first time. Um, at that place in time, you were the leader for the very first time. What, you know, is there something you wish someone had told you before you uh, took on that role? Something I wish that someone had told me before I took on that role. Um, that, that piece, that piece of advice that only leaders can really understand, um, as you, as it was all yours, the CFO role became all yours. Right. But I think a, a, a difference between um, being a CFO and uh, being the face of the company um, versus somebody who is in the supporting role is that um, you have to be more careful in what you say and how you say things. Um, and you have to have a broader sense of uh, context in terms of um, anything you do or say or uh, any actions you take, um, what impact would it have to business? Because uh, it's one thing to uh, – some, something comes from a VP of finance, for example, but it's a different thing if that same thing comes from – CFO. So um, I think it took me a while to learn the, the nuance between uh, the difference between the two in that um, being, being a CFO and being, being one of the heads of the company, um, one needs to be extra careful in, in terms of what he um, or she says. I want to go back. You shared that anecdote early on about having made a list, and I asked you when, and you thought perhaps your late 20s. Was that list, again, the items on that list, were they specific milestones that you hoped to achieve, or what was the sort of the makeup of that? Yeah, so, so the makeup of that list was not, uh, you know how some people could have a list that says, um, by the time I'm 35, I, I want to be a VP. By the time I'm 40, I want to be a CFO. Uh, that wasn't my list. My list is really um, the type of experiences I want to have. Um, so within finance, there are many um, technical areas. For example, finance could, could mean financial planning analysis. It could mean accounting. It could mean treasury. And it could mean tax. So there are many different fields just within finance. And my list was primarily aimed at identifying the areas that I want to have experience in and I want to have a role in. Um, and also, um, also on my list was the type of company I want to experience. Uh, so biotech, obviously starting with Genentech, that was a large biotech company. I, wanted, I also wanted to have experience in a large pharmaceutical company, which I subsequently got. I also wanted to have experience in a small biotech, which I'm getting today. So. Those tend to, my, my list tends to be focused more on experience other than title. And I, I, I somehow believe you might have checked off every item on that list today, or there are other items still to, to check off. Um, if I had checked off everything on my list, I should retire. So <laughs> there are definitely still other things on the list. Okay, it's still active. Good, good to know. All right. Well, um, We'd like to find out something uh, personal about the individual we're speaking with and uh, share with the audience. I mean, can, what would you tell us? Is there something about yourself most people don't know, perhaps? Yeah, so um, my, my dream growing up uh, in terms of what I want to do in life 
Um, I have two goals, um, and I failed to meet either of them. I, I, I grew up in a, a military family, um, and my first dream growing up was to be a, a fighter pilot. But um, very early on, I became uh, aware that my eyesight was never going to be good enough to be a fighter pilot. So I ditched that dream very, very early on. But um, then in my early 20s, I got involved in cycling, and uh, my dreams became I want to be a professional cyclist one day. And obviously, um, you don't, you're, you're born to be a professional cyclist. If you don't have the genes, you don't have the talent, you're not going to make it. And I didn't make it. So, um, those are probably two things that, that um, people probably don't know me very well. Is there, is there a book you recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Yeah, so, so there's a book um, written by a fighter pilot. Um, his name is uh, Bill Driscoll. And he, uh, he used to be in the uh, uh, United States Navy as a Navy fighter pilot. Um, the book he wrote was um, called The Peak Business Performance Under Pressure. Um, as you probably know, in, in the business world, in order to become a leader, uh, you are constantly being put under pressure, whether it's the work del deliverable, whether it's the presentation, whether it's the podcast that I'm doing now. Um, the, being able to perform at your peak under such pressure, which obviously fighter pilots um, do that on a constant basis, and the stakes there uh, is a lot higher than even in the business world. It's less than that. Um, so the way he articulates uh, performing under pressure, uh, leveraging his true life experiences between being a fighter um, pilot and a business leader today uh, is fascinating to me. I think I, I've loved this book partially because he was a fighter pilot. I think the parallel is pretty clear. You make that very, very easy to understand. Um, well, we're up to our, our final question, which is when I get to ask you to look forward for us finally and tell us what are your priorities in the coming 12 months as a finance leader? What are those priorities? So, Startup um, Fanatics is in um, a year where um, we have many key business milestones that we hope to deliver. We have, um, we're continuing uh, to advance our pipeline, uh, one drop in phase three clinical trial, which hopefully will read out in a year and a half to two years. We have a phase two trial that will read out uh, later this year. We have multiple phase one trials on the going. So uh, I think my hope is to make sure that the company is um, well-funded um, in a very strong finance um, ground to be able to advance this pipeline. And uh, there are many things for us to, to do this year, including uh, seeking partnership, uh, seeking um, other ways to raise funds to further uh, capitalize the company to advance our pipeline. So those would be what I consider to be the top priorities this year. Ching Jaw, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks for having me. 
Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.